Somebody texts in, if the name Fangs isn't said at least 10 times with Josh Appel, it'll be a letdown interview. I will read to you again just the paragraph from David Fironis in the Sun Sentinel with Josh Boyer being let go today. Names for a replacement will come out in the coming days, but a top choice could be longtime NFL defensive coordinator and one-time Denver Broncos head coach Vic Fangio. And that is a uh, a big uh, a big thing for Josh Appel. He has been on the Fangs train for about four or five years on this program. Josh Appel, he is the public address announcer for the Miami Marlins at Lone Depot Park. He's the play-by-play man for Sports USA for the NFL nationwide. You often see him on stadium during the college basketball season, and he is with us now. Hello, Appel. Hello, Fangs. I mean, I, I also, <laughs> here's the thing. I don't think that text was real. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't think it was. And it's a picture. number. And it's a. I will. And it's a number I don't even recognize. It's not even one of our regular texters. So well, you 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 have a reputation that precedes you. I'm happy about that. Actually, it's nice to know that people actually pay attention when I come on here and drop the inordinate amount of Fangs references that I have in the past. Although it's been a while, I haven't said Fangs in a while. Well, we haven't talked uh, about. It. Looks like we have a we have an opportunity to bring them up. Yes. What uh, I'll start with the Josh Boyer. Uh, firing. So, uh, are you down with that? I mean, it kind of seemed like it was coming. You know, it, it it just seemed like there was something missing from this defense. The teams, had, opposing teams, had figured out his blitz package, and you know, it worked a little bit on uh, against the Bills. But for the most part, you know, the defense just wasn't getting it done with the amount of talent. Despite how injured they were, there was still plenty of talent on that side of the ball. And I don't think the results. Uh, were really what anybody wanted. And also, I would be curious to know if this was – not that Mike McDaniel didn't want to work with the Boyer and the two assistants that also got let go, but I wonder, are they actually his guys? Obviously, they were on the floor as staff prior, but was he able to go out and get his own people, or was this just what was foisted upon him when he got hired and that was that? So uh, I'm curious to see what he's able to do when he puts, you know, his full staff together and isn't saddled by some, you know, guys that were already here. Yeah, I, I think they kept him, Josh, because of the fact that they had a top 10 defense and you don't get rid of something that's working until it's not working. And with the numbers, they're in the 20s of every defensive category. It obviously wasn't working again. So that's why I'm with you. I think that he didn't bring his guys and he will. But to speak on your guy Fangs, do you just like his name or you know something about him? <laughs> <laughs> because should we be uh, excited? <laughs> well, look, I love fangs. All right, <laughs> I love fangs. Not That's five same. fangs yeah. if you count that six too. <laughs> all right, uh, but his defenses in Denver were always very good. His defenses in Chicago were always very good. It, it, I feel like not to you know keep piling on Josh Boyer, but like it's hard to be worse than they were this year with the talent that they have. Um, I, I know Fangs has been out of the game, you know, this past year. But I, I know that he's someone who I would assume pays attention. Um, I, I I think that's the, the got to be the top candidate. Uh, he's a guy that I'm sure Mike McDaniel has previous connections to, or else his name wouldn't be popping up like this. But if you're Vic Fangio, if you're Fangs, would this not be a, a good destination for him? I mean, he has experience with Bradley Chubb as well. 
So I mean, it might be a it might be a good match. I hope it happens. The uh, the only thing that I would take issue with because Crowder said when this news came out, he said, you know what? They need a veteran guy who's done this before, who's been a head coach, mm-hmm. who can be kind of you know the older sounding board for a young head coach like Mike McDaniel. And I said. You are describing Chan Gailey, oh. and we crushed. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is, though, it, that, that was the idea. No, uh, Brian Flores, first-time head coach, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you've got a guy who's done it before, can be the veteran sounding board, and then we hated him. And so I wonder if you run that risk again if you bring in a guy like Fangs. Well, I would say that Fangs had a lot more success recently in the league than Chan Gailey had, and it's not hard to say. I mean, Gailey was out of the league for a while. You know, Fangs has only been out for a year. He was on that San Francisco staff that uh, made it to the Super Bowl with Harbaugh. His defense improved every single season when he was in Chicago before he got um, the Denver job, and we know that their defense uh, was good there. He's got a proven track record of being one of the best defensive minds in the game. I, I think that it's a little different. Uh, not an apples-to-apples comparison between Chan Gailey and my guy Fangs. Fangs has literally just got done with a head coaching tenure. Gailey, not the same. Not the same. And he doesn't have a job now after two years. It kind of tells you something about old Gailey. Right, but I wonder if that is kind of the harbinger of what's to come for Vic Fangio. Gailey shouldn't have had the job with Miami. I get you. All right. <laughs> I'm not so certain. I'm with you. Hawk. No, I'm not so certain. Hey, Josh, but it's fun. I don't want to say scapegoat, but it's, you know, the, the big news that breaks is defensive on the Dolphins. The defense was the thing that kept them in a lot of games, especially early on. We weren't scoring the big points. We had that one stretch. Was the defense the weaker side of the ball for the Dolphins this year? Because I would beg to differ. I would say that. You know, when we talked, when I was on the show before the Bills game, we talked about how a lot of the numbers from last year's Brian Flores call defense to this year's defense are pretty much the same, except for the fact they weren't turning the ball over at all and getting takeaways. We saw that on Sunday against Buffalo, and look what happened. They were in the game and they had a chance at the end. Um, but they still gave up way too many. I mean, they still, the third downs are, are just brutal. The, to me, the where I was off the Boyer train when I kind of figured, all right, this there has to be a change here. It was I think I came on here and talked about it with you guys. Was the this the Charger game right before the half, putting eight guys on the goal line on third and goal from like the seventeen, and Eckler taking it to the two, and instead of kicking a field goal, what they score a touchdown there after that. Uh, like it's it's little things like that that just get uh, built up over a long time. And I, I saw Cameron Wolf of NFL Network tweet out. You know, he had talked to some players who were frustrated by Boyer in the scheme as the the season went along. I mean, think about it if you're Xavier Howard, and a lot of people were ripping Xavier Howard after he gave up the long uh, pass in the first quarter. But at the same time, like you're putting him on an island out there as you rush everybody else, you you run cover zero at him. You're going to get close to getting to Josh Allen. He stands there and delivers a strike to Stephon Diggs. I mean, that's not putting your, your defense in a chance to succeed. They obviously got better in the second half. They went away from the, the, the cover zero blitz stuff, and they were a little more creative, and it ended up working out. But I could see why players would be frustrated with some of the positions they were put in if you point to specific examples throughout the season. The, the bottom line is, uh, while the offense is the best offense this franchise has seen in probably like 20 years or, you know, maybe it's like since the Wildcat as far as like excitement goes, um, the defense still left a lot to be desired. Um, they, they closed the, the season strong. 
but it just it didn't feel the same. And I know injuries were were a big part of that, especially in the secondary. But there was still a lot of talent on that field that I just, you know, in watching it didn't feel like it got maximized. So we get this Josh Boyer news about 30 minutes ago. If I had said to you, before we got that news, if I had said to you after the season, okay, you're running the Dolphins, what changes do you want to make going into next season? Would that have been a number one? Yeah, yeah, probably. And I just, I think with the with the whole body of work, from the entire season. And if you think about it, I, I could have this wrong, but I'm fairly certain Brian Flores took defensive play calling duties away from Josh Boyer in the middle of last season in the one and seven stretch. I, I feel like I remember that being the case. I, I, I just, I, there's not a lot here from Boyer that would have made the case for, for him to stay. And this is obviously nothing personal against Josh Boyer, but like if I'm Mike McDaniel, this would also have been my, you know, first order of business was making sure that I got guys that I wanted and kind of in lo- were in line with my vision for things um, on that side of the ball. And is this a huge offseason for Chris Greer? Because he's been there a long time. I'm not saying it's, you know, life or death for his career, but, like, you have a lot of decisions to make with a very talented team that I would say roster-wise 9-8 and eight's underachieving. Yeah, but when you look at it in context of, all right uh, – Almost every game or every loss they had, they were, had the ball with a chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Tua stuff is obviously the biggest question, his health moving forward. Um, it was a weird 9-8 and eight season because even when they were losing these games, it, it, like, it felt like they were there in a, lot of these, uh, in a lot of these losses with Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson while Tua was out. Um, I know you guys uh, had mentioned Adam Beasley's comment on one of the other shows on the station. You know, you make the playoffs, you play the presumed one of the favorites for the Super Bowl as tough as you do with a third-string quarterback on the road. It's hard to say that's not a successful season. But uh, they have to get creative with cap space and freeing it up and making sure they can add to this team and make sure that, you know, when injuries do happen because they're inevitable, that they're not as killed depth-wise as they were um, – this season, but that's the name of the game for every GM, right? Like you, you got to make like depth. It's so easy to say, oh well, well this team doesn't have any depth, or that team doesn't have any depth. Yeah, a lot of teams deal with that because it's hard to find quality players to step in when quality starters get hurt. You just got to hope that you do. And like a lot of people, uh, I think these last couple of off seasons were were big for Chris Greer. And some might say, oh, well, look at the 2020 draft, the Austin Jackson and Noah Benogany, and while two is great, he, you know, he can't stay on the field, but he's still found a ton of really good players in other spots. He made the Tyreek trade, obviously. Uh, everybody kind of questioned the Waddle decision at first, but trading down and getting that pick. What he turned the Laramie Tunsil trade into. Uh, and guys like Nick Needham and Cater Kohu and Zach Sealer. Some of these more under-the-radar pickups, you know, Needham and, and Kohu, undrafted free agents. Sealer was discarded by the Ravens. Like, those are good pickups. And not every GM, especially in football, is going to bat a thousand. Um, he's got some work to do, obviously, but I, I think I think you've got to believe that he'll be able to put something together to you know help this team take the next step because I think they're really really close, you know, at full strength. Josh Appel is with us. I want to get to the cheeseburger salad here, but I have to the ask challenge. you a uh, the challenge. I have to ask you a uh, a Panthers question because we were just talking about him in Solana's headlines in the last segment. Then we mentioned Paul Maurice got fined twenty five thousand dollars. They got job done on Tuesday, but Crowder said, "When's the when's the big win streak coming?" And I was saying they're actually not playing horrible hockey. What were you telling me? They've won 
uh, what was it? Five out of seven going into Tuesday. And yeah, then, they're, uh, they're, and they, they're and they, five points. Like what? Six out of the last eight games. Yeah, they're five, two, and one in their last eight games. They've got a chance tonight against Montreal to get five out of six points on this road trip. And and even though the, the way that the Toronto game transpired, if I would have told you before the game that on the second of a back to back after playing one of the best goal scoring teams in the league in Buffalo, playing a back to back the next day against Toronto on the road, you're going to get a point. Like you take that every time. Um, they're playing really good hockey uh, right now. Probably the best hockey they play this year. Bobrovsky, despite giving up five, this is going to be a weird sentence, but despite giving up five goals against Toronto, I thought he was excellent again for this team. And if he's going to play like that, they're going to be right in the thick of things. They're three points out of the playoffs right now. For all the doom and gloom and everything, they're three points out of the playoffs right now. Um, and they have a lot. They're going to have a lot of home games. Uh, at the end of the year and and while it's weird to say all right they're playing their best hockey of the year and they still haven't been able to win that elusive third game in a row if you look at this over the last eight games five two and one that's what they're going to have to do the rest of the season in order to get to the point where they need it where they'll be in a spot to you know make the playoffs so they're doing what they have to do a winning streak would be nice but you know this is a good starting point if they get tonight five out of six on the road trip coming back home from minnesota on saturday they'd be in a good spot i think Maybe they're three points out of the wild card, but they're 12 points back of the three seed in their own division. And even if they sneak into the wild card, like I, I just don't think we've seen enough from them that they can compete with the top teams right now in the Eastern Conference. It, it's kind of just back in that same boat of, uh-oh, here come the Lightning. Uh-oh, here come the Maple Leafs. And we've seen that story before in the playoffs. But just get in because in hockey compared to any other sport, you get in and you can go on a run. And I, I, we've talked about this when, when we brought up the Panthers uh, every time I come on the show. Like, a, as much as we want to have a, a team like last year, like, realistically, when you looked at it this year, given what they've lost and the cap constraints and things like that, and Anthony Duclair still being out for half the season, hopefully he's back after the All Star break, like they're talking about, just getting in the playoffs was going to be viewed as a success at least in my eyes this year missing the playoffs would be a complete and total disaster no matter what they lost from a season ago so in my eyes if they can get in that that's a good season and then they can retool all the cap space they're going to have uh this offseason going into next um I, I hear i hear what you're saying but at this point you know just get in right like just get in. And they've had they've competed against some of the tougher teams in this league. They've they've beaten Boston. One of Boston's four regulation losses this year is against the Panthers. They've shut out Carolina. Uh they t- took a bad bounce when to lose to Vegas the other night. They beat a Colorado team that was as close to full strength as they've been uh most of this season on this road trip as well. And look, they can beat anybody on any any given night. They just got to stay healthy and keep you know playing the way they are right now because they they look as good as they have all year and Bob's played as well as he has. All did season. you just clap when you said look? It sounded like you said look. They played as I well th- as they, did you clap? Good. <laughs> it was me like hitting the side of my leg. That's good. That means you're really driving the point home. I do is that, that what it is? Well. Yeah. yeah. I'm a very, I'm a very I'm a very emphatic speaker with my hands. In fact, I've noticed that when I do games on TV, not to brag. Um, I, I'm like out of control with the hand, so I'm just stuck it in my pocket for now. And it you makes did it that with so uh, Serena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was excited. We got Venus, yeah. Venus yeah. Williams here. <laughs> Venus, what's up? Yeah, listen to this. Listen closely, because you're going to hear Crowder clap after he brings on Venus Williams, who's really Serena Williams. We got Venus, Venus Williams here. Venus, what's up? You hear that clap? <laughs> <laughs> he is so, so happy with himself. <laughs> 
Little does he know, it's not Venus Williams. And the little does she know, his first question is going to be about steroids in sports. But well, my whole first, other story. First question was, what's up? <laughs> what's that up? Was That's up. right. The first question was, what's up? That's a good lead in. Yeah, I'm sure she got that a lot from Jim Gray. <laughs> <laughs> um, call me baby Gray.